Welcome to the Maggie Williams Podcast, where we discuss hunting, travel, and outdoor adventures. Proudly sponsored by Rolling Thunder Game Calls, the sound of a new generation. Brought to you by Heavy Shot, industry leader in shot shell ammunition innovation. I didn't come this far to miss. Lost Hat Company. Ask your other hat company what choke you should shoot. Get lost. Now here's your host, Maggie Williams. What's going on, y'all? And welcome to another episode of the Maggie Williams Podcast. I think I'm probably more excited for this podcast than any podcast I've had so far. I am here with none other than Mr. Dave Owens. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you, Dave? Doing well. How about yourself? I'm good. And I want to preface this podcast by saying, y'all, I am a Dave Owens fan. I've been a Dave Owens fan for several years now. And I'll never forget, it was the NWTF in like 2021, I think. And I've been telling everybody, I'm going to go find Dave Owens. I want to go shake Dave Owens' hand. i got to go meet him. <laughs> and I am walking up, and I make eye contact with Dave. And I froze in my tracks, and I turned around and walked the other way. <laughs> I am never starstruck. I mean, I have hung out with celebrities of all calibers. I mean, you name it. And I got nervous with none other than Dave Owens. So. Just a guy on YouTube is all he is. He just <laughs> he's a tur- blows a turkey call and sits on YouTube is all he does. So no reason to be intimidated by me. I'm just a ne- normal guy next door. So Well, I wouldn't say that, but he is seriously a hero to many turkey hunters. He is a really, really, really awesome advocate for the wild turkey. If you're not familiar with Dave, you need to check out his stuff. But I'm really thankful you sat down and talked with me. Yeah, absolutely. It's a pleasure. So I've got a few questions for you. Um, You're clearly elite in both categories, but if you had to choose between being elite at one or the other, would you choose having great woodsmanship or just raw natural talent of having a great yelp? Always woodsmanship, hands down, absolutely. You're gonna kill more turkeys being a woodsman than you are. I don't care how good you can yelp. If you're in the wrong spot, you ain't gonna ever, you ain't ever put your hands on him. So. No doubt, woodsman. I, I knew the answer to that question, but I was excited to ask it. <laughs> um, I had a feeling that's the direction you'd lean in. But out of the 49 states, which is your favorite and why? Is there a place that turkeys gobble harder or the, you know, the scenery more beautiful? What's your favorite? Um, not really. There's not one that I don't want to go back to. I can promise you if a turkey's gobbling there, I want to be next to him. So, um as far as a favorite state, it's just going to be down home just because that's where I cut my teeth and that'll always be home. That's the, my favorite turkeys to hunt are the hardwood ridges in North Georgia, North Alabama, Southern Tennessee. I mean, this that uh, steep vertical terrain, hardwood ridges, um, some of that old timber, that's fun. Um, if I had to pick a favorite, that's going to be it. Not because the turkeys are any better or any worse, but um, just that's where I cut my teeth, so it's always going to be home. I understand. I understand. And you obviously i've been very involved just with being an advocate for wild turkeys um just a big supporter of the population in your opinion how can the younger generation of teens and young adults get more involved in helping the wild turkey population just got to have uh uh 
got to recognize how important your voice is. Um, you know, as much of an impact as people can put, um, you know, positively toward populations or, or whatever with their wallet, um, your voice and just paying attention, I think, is the is the easiest thing to do for most folks. If you ain't got a big, deep pocket, I mean, the, the least you can do is pay attention. Um, right now, there's a ton of organizations out there that are making it easier than ever to uh, stay on top of the decisions that are being made because a lot of this stuff is political. A lot of this stuff is happening behind the scenes and people don't want you to know about it. They want to be able to make decisions without folks knowing so that they can kind of sweep things under the rug. So just uh, stand on top of what's going on in uh, the political environment when it comes to wildlife and conservation and um, is, is very important. So that's the least we can do um, uh, regardless of your age. And um, you know, a back, you know, the young generation still have strong backs. So a lot of times these conservation organizations need volunteer hours. They need, they need strong backs to do some of the heavy lifting. And that younger generation is the people who should step up and kind of field the ball when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I think those um, are important aspects to kind of consider when it's, you know, if you're the younger generation, maybe you're, you know, fresh out of high school, early in college, you ain't got money, but you got a strong back and you got the ability to listen and uh, the ability to uh, do some of the legwork that maybe the older generation kind of grown a little tired, you know. Right. Awesome. Thank you. And for those, of the, for those who are not familiar with you and what you do, can you kind of explain exactly what the Penhody Project is and how it got its name? Uh, Penhody Project is shoot, man. It's just it's just a it's just a couple guys that grabbed a video camera that that really liked to turkey hunt, and they were wanting to uh, kind of throw their hat in the ring and show that the way they did things. Um, as far as the name Penhody Project, just right down the road here is the Penhody Trail. It's a popular hiking trail that hooks up with the uh, AT uh, Appalachian Trail. So if you're not familiar with you know the hiking kind of arena, um, it's a pretty popular little route there and. Uh, Penhody means uh, turkey home in Creek Indian, and so that's always been, you know, right outside town here, and this goes through the National Forest, and uh, so kind of hunted up and down it, been on the Penhody Trail my whole life, so it just made sense when we were trying to look for a for a handle for this thing. It just kind of all fell into place, so um, that's kind of where that came from, but as far as why or what it is, it's essentially just a, a handful of guys that really like to turkey hunt and like to do uh do turkey hunting with woodsmanship, like you mentioned earlier, being a you know front and center. Um, as you mentioned, I do the competition calling, and and we uh, put quite a bit of time into that, and and trying to basically hone every aspect of the craft. You know, whether it be woodsmanship, uh, you know, your physical ability, your calling ability, every little bitty piece that comes into being a good turkey hunter, being a good hunter in general. Trying to fine tune all of that and um, bringing that to. Uh, in front of a camera and showing people that through effort and through determination, man, you can have fun from sea to shining sea when it comes to hunting turkeys. And that's kind of what we wanted to make sure that everybody was, you know, aware of. Very cool. Very cool. Awesome. One thing I also want to ask you, so out of all of your experiences that you've had turkey hunting, obviously you've traveled all over the country in pursuit of wild turkeys. Is there is, is there just one story that sticks out to you in particular? Maybe it was with a kid or an elderly person or just something special to you. Like, is there one memory that sticks out in particular? Man, I'm, um, it'd be hard. There's so many. I mean, we, we do this, you know, especially me in the, over the last God, 20 years, being able to, uh, to hunt as much as I have and kind of centered my whole life around 
experiences trying to make as many of them as, as a spring as possible um it's hard to put your thumb on one i mean i can just you know you can almost just uh just name a date and i can probably give you a story from that date but some of the stuff that comes to mind is those um kind of feel good moments you didn't know were there like it just kind of happened to you. you didn't know that you were making an impact on somebody until you did right and um just trying to uh, think of some of the stuff offhand is um one of the ones that for some reason it just always comes to my mind we were hunting with a with a random guy in utah of all places and uh the guy was a big game hunter and you know you think a lot of people feel like or i feel like like big game overshadows turkeys a lot of times like your elk hunters and stuff they feel like that that's such a, a more involved um you know uh, game than it within a turkey would be but he went with us and um we had filled our tags, me and the guys that we were with, and we said, hey, man, do you have a general season tag? And he's like, I do. I'd love to go with y'all. So we took him oh. turkey hunting, and we, we hunted the way we hunt, um, when the fashion that we hunt, and and uh, basically using what was between your ears, you know, between your ears and a mouth yelpers, what was the way we turkey hunt. So uh, we got on a good turkey, like a good old finicky turkey, and it took us most of the morning to kill him. And when it all came together and he and shot it look seeing the look on his face he's like man if people just he said i've killed turkeys and i've hunted turkeys he said but if people just hunted turkeys the way you just hunted turkeys and the way you just did it it's 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 as good or better than any bull elk i've ever killed and so like right. if people um just uh, tailored the way they did it a little bit and i think there's there's a lot of fulfillment then there that's probably going it's probably being missed by folks that uh you know may take a shortcut or two and I, I totally agree with that, and I think it's funny that you brought big game hunters into this equation, because I do have a story about an interaction with a big game hunter. I was in Washington last year. I hunted 10 states last I'm sorry, I hunted 12 states last year, and I ended up in uh, Washington, the very last hunt of the season, and I was at a sporting goods store, and we, I mean, I still had my leafy jacket on, like, mm. I don't remember what I was getting, and um, I had a, a guy approach me, he's like, are you turkey hunting? And I was like, yes, sir. He's like, oh, yeah, I've never gotten into that. I'm a, I'm a big game hunter, and we started talking some more, and he said, you know, turkey hunting is just elk hunting for poor people <laughs> and i was like first of all i wouldn't say that but i've never had anyone say something so crazy but i was like man i don't know you should try have you ever turkey hunting he's like no no but i was like man i've never i've never heard of elk bugle but i have heard of turkey gobble and yeah. it's one of the most magical experiences in the world yeah. so i was like man don't don't discount it but <laughs> doc whittle doc whittle you know i don't know if you guys know doc but he, he calls it uh poor man's big game um, is what he calls it so you because i mean and it's it's there's a lot of truth to that because you can throw your turkey vest and a shotgun a handful of shells in the back of your pickup truck and you can go and you can hunt um a whole lot of places with a very little amount of like so i, I love that aspect of turkey hunting is you don't have to be a rich man to do it right. the tags aren't 1200 bucks they're not you know so um it's uh it's it's accessible to most folks and i think that's what um what i like about it and i like you know making sure that that you motivate people to to kind of like hey you know it's one of those days isn't on a calendar i can't tell you how many people see what i do or you know we're in conversation that man one of these days when i retire man when i retire i'm going to do this when i retire man you don't know what that's coming right. so like seize the moment like look at look for tomorrow like look to do it tomorrow and i guarantee you won't be you know, you will appreciate it once it's over. Like you'll be, you know, be glad you did it. It's one of those things that you don't want to, don't want to delay because I mean, I've just there's so many horror stories out there, and um, no time's as good as the present. So right, anyways. absolutely. And turkeys, is, it's just so accessible. I mean, they're they're right around you know most corners for everybody. Um, and like I said, it doesn't take a, 
you don't have to you know mortgage your house to be able to go and do it so right so i don't know how familiar you are with arkansas um i'm from northeast arkansas i grew up on crowley's ridge which is the only ridge in the delta region but the ridge is not very wide it's like five miles wide and so it's really hard to get turkey access that's the only turkey population in the delta is on the ridge Mm -hmm. obviously um so anyway very few people could get turkey access it's almost all private land on the ridge where in the county that i live so anyway as a kid the kids that couldn't afford a duck hunt i mean we'd go turkey hunting in the spring because you know in arkansas everyone duck hunts mm-hmm. but we'd be just barely old enough to drive and i get some boys and they're like well you know we couldn't afford duck boats we'd, <laughs> we'd go try to turkey hunt and obviously we were high school kids had no idea what we were doing and we did not kill any turkeys for several years, but it was accessible, yeah. and we tried our best. Um, so I like that you brought up how accessible it is, because anyone can do it. Um, just, you know, takes figuring it out and trying. Yeah, so. it's very obtainable, and I think that's what um, – one of the things that I didn't realize Penhody Project was kind of bringing to the front and center was how obtainable it was for your normal guy, blue-collar guy that could put back, you know – hundred bucks a month or something i mean you it only takes a few hundred bucks and you can usually at least go next door and and have an experience that you wouldn't have gotten otherwise um you know it's it's really cool for folks that have turkey hunted in georgia or alabama to go up to nebraska or kansas or out to washington like you mentioned just get that a different environment with a familiar feel like when a turkey gobbles you're still kind of doing the same thing so it's a familiar feel but you're just doing it in these crazy places and with these other animals around that you don't get to see and um it's a it's a it's a really cool experience and so when people started reaching back out to me like man i would have never done this until i saw you do it and saw how obtainable it was and saw that it was possible and me and a buddy we you know we you know kick back a little money over over you know the off season and next thing you know we both have you know a few hundred bucks a piece or a thousand dollars a piece and we just decided to go out across the country we ended up hunting two different states and had time of our lives and whatnot so that's been um humbling to know that you had you know had a little bit to do with that so that's that's been a fun part of this thing well speaking of traveling to other states and encountering other animals that you're not used to at home uh what's more like the craziest wild animal encounters you've had on a turkey hunt oh man it's probably the mountain lions they're they're usually pretty uh completely harmless from what i've been able to uh in my you know encounters but the had had a mountain lion in um arizona come just strolling by screaming I don't know if it was looking for a mate or if it was looking for his young or, or what it was doing, but it came by just squalling. And, uh, but it saw me. I saw it. It walked up to about 15 yards, and it looked at me, and it switched its tail a time or two, and it just turned and kept on squalling and walked right across the front of me like I wasn't even there. So they've been harmless, but those will definitely put the hair up on the back of your neck. Mm-hmm. Um, had one down and I've seen them in Florida many times, but the first one we ever saw in Florida was – you know, you know, just literally eight, ten yards away, and me and my buddy sitting on a tree working turkeys, and we weren't the only ones working the turkeys. And so the panther come by us uh, there. So seeing those guys, um, had bear encounters, you know, several times, and bumping into sow with cubs is always will we'll put the hair up on the back of your neck. But nothing that I would say is, you know, dangerous or anything of that nature. I was in South Florida last year. My friend Macy Watkins, I'd been promising that girl for two years I was going to put her on her first turkey. And finally, I, we put it together, and I invited her to Florida. And we were, on, we were in public land, and 
we had a panther encounter and i was mm-hmm. the only one that saw it It was in the fog it was first thing in the morning and i saw a big cat cross in front of us i mean 40 45 yards yeah. probably and i could see its silhouette in the fog and i'll never forget it took the breath out of me i was just <gasps> and i grabbed a hold of the vest i said don't move and then that jumped across the ditch and it was it was so cool because i mean you don't see stuff like that in yeah Arkansas. you just don't yeah you just don't but yeah that's that's one of the the, the beauty behind traveling and getting to unfamiliar terrain is, you, is there's always something else behind the next corner that you just don't expect so it's those experiences and you can have those everywhere you know i mean it's not just out west it's not just those wild you know places that you that are that you would think are wild like one of my wildest bear encounters was in massachusetts so i mean really? like you would think out west is where everything crazy happens but not really um right. now granted you get to the east side some of your crazy encounters, uh, encounters typically involve people of the, of the of the crazy variety but um there's there's you know there's fun to be had around every corner so right in washington last year um a group of four of us drove up from arkansas to washington i'd never recommend driving to washington ever <laughs> but we did and anyway we split off into pairs and there was two turkey hunters in the group and two that were newer turkey hunters and my other friends you know they split off in their pair and anyway we were trying to strike up a bird and i was yelping and we heard you know some commotion and we see a grizzly bear oh yeah <laughs> and i'm telling you I, i've never seen a grown man make the face that he made we were so scared we just laid down flat i mean we just there was nothing we could do we just laid down <laughs> and it, obviously i mean it passed and there was a a dead cow not too far from us in a field and it started you know eating on that cow mm-hmm. but um one of the scariest things i've ever ever yeah, encountered I've, so i'm glad you brought up bears yeah i've been in bear country a lot and, and as a matter of fact it never has even dawned on me to carry bear spray or anything like that just pure ignorance is all it's been um a friend of mine who who does a, or I guess it is a friend of a friend, but he does a lot of the uh, what do you call it? Like they they take the the tourist and they take them, you know, to do the do the thing. You go down there and the grizzlies or brown bears are snagging the salmon and whatnot as they come up and do their thing. And I was talking about the locations that I had been. And he said, "You been here?" I was like, "Yeah, I hunted so and so national forest or whatnot." He's like, "You didn't bring bear spray?" I was like, "No, I never even thought about it." He's like. If you go back, I would recommend bringing bear spray, you know, just to be safe. And I was like, well, you think you got a shotgun with TSS? He's like, no, no, you you need some bear spray. (laughs) We were in New Mexico. It was me and another girl. We were camping out there by ourselves. And we, it was the middle of the night and we heard something in our trash can, something a lot bigger than a dog. And, you know, she said, do you have any bear spray? I said, bear spray? Do you have any bear spray? And I was like, I'm from Arkansas. She said, well, I'm from Kansas. And I was like, no, we don't have bear spray. But, uh, no, I I need to invest in some bear spray for this turkey season. It it, it appears that's the safe thing to do. (laughs) Um, But I wanted to ask you, uh, being from Georgia, I'm sure you see all kinds of guys that are turkey hunters. And with that, you know, there's all different kinds of brands of camo. Um, Why do you choose to bleed mossy oak bottom land? It's just always been what it's been. You know, it's just the original some of my oldest pictures have always been i have a, i have a picture of my first deer when i was eight i killed a, a you know a little 80 pound doe when i was eight years old had big coke bottle rim glasses on and i had on mossy oak shadow shadow leaf um and uh just some of my oldest pictures of my first set of camouflage my full like first time i got a full set of, of turkey hunting camouflage vest long sleeve shirt short sleeve shirt pants you know the face mask a little boonie hat was all shadow leaf um and then it that progressed to, uh when you know the vintage patterns kind of phased out there for a while and i remember like actively seeking out bottomland um uh 
Browning used to be the, one of the only people that had like a, a still had it was a new bottomland pattern, but that was one of the places that you could always find some of those vintage looking patterns. I remember seeking it out, and I don't know, that was just always my color of choice. You could, I guess, you could say. And um, I'm glad to see all the vintage patterns being being cool again, so they're readily available for us. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I'm sure, obviously, your beliefs align with Mossy Oak's beliefs. Um, you know, the way you preach about the wild turkey, I really think it's cool that Mossy Oak also shares those same beliefs and promotes the wild turkey like you do. Yeah, so. for sure. We was able to actually share camp with uh, uh, Daniel and Neil and Toxie and those down there last year. Uh, and possibly this year, going to swing back through there if I can make my schedule align. But, yeah, it's really cool being able to uh, rub elbows with those type of people, the people who uh, – just so passionate about a turkey i mean the turkeys i mean they love to hunt everything but we're you know they're dyed in the wool turkey hunters if nothing else so it's fun to rub elbows around um because up here um when i was starting turkey hunting there is no other turkey there was no other turkey hunters there was like one old dentist in town that was quote unquote a turkey hunter but you get down there like around where they're at where their camp's at and down south alabama and around those neck of the woods um man that turkey hunting is is it i mean that that's the culture down there so it's really cool to get around places that are historical like turkey places um right. never never done that really as much as i've turkey hunted as much as i've traveled and, and whatever the culture of there being old school turkey hunters just what well, it's not here right like it is down there so getting down there and, and hearing the t- stories and hanging out with uh like i said those guys at, at camp uh the mossy oak guys and mr uh george mayfield and those type folks um it's uh it was a treat and uh you're right their their beliefs align i mean it's it's on the same track for sure absolutely and i'm glad you brought up that turkey hunting culture because it I mean it being from arkansas i never like I, I wasn't exposed to that either i was around duck hunting culture and that was it and mm-hmm. if i wanted to hunt public land in arkansas i'd go and there might be one other truck there mm-hmm. and i was straight out of high school i might have been a high school student and i went over to mississippi to turkey hunt mm-hmm. and it was a whole new experience i mean i went to the <laughs> gas station everyone was in bottom land yep. i mean it it was just like waking up duck hunting in arkansas yeah, yeah. they share that passion for it and it was just really cool to see i mean also i was stomping around public land up there and it was just it was really neat because i mean even the people in the parking lot in arkansas people aren't very friendly um yeah. duck hunting. <laughs> and i talked to some folks you know just parking at the main they're like hey you know you hear anything and i was like well no but it was it was awesome to have and it was some older men yeah so it was really cool to share that experience um and talk with them yeah yeah it's it's there's a there's a turkey hunting culture around that neck of the woods there that's uh it's pretty deep pretty deep it is really cool really 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 cool but so let's talk about you know just the turkey population growth um what it's what it really takes for them to flourish Uh, a lot and we've kind of you know been brought uh up to speed to that with the all the recent stuff over the last handful of years with collier and chamberlain and goolsby and these guys like kind of you know letting folks like me know that um uh how important it is to to you know how fragile this resource that we that we get to enjoy is and what a, a huge task and and just an undertaking it is to to be able to put your hands on an adult turkey you know an adult gobbler and the percentages once you start looking at those numbers they'll run those percentages and you're like holy crap like you know this thing's had like a whatever little minute chance to bring it you know make it to an adulthood to bring it you know full circle and um it's really a special thing to be able to put your hands on a on a, on a turkey so um We've always obviously carried um, wild turkeys in high regard and, and, 
reverence and uh, the way we treated them and the respect that it's, it's owed to any quarry that you're chasing and killing or whatnot. But turkeys have obviously always been the, the special spot for me and uh, folks around me. So um, the well-being of that resource is always front and center. So like when the Penhody project became a thing and uh, frankly just blew up because, you know, nobody knew we were going to be sitting here five years ago. You know, I mean, I was doing a little YouTube thing after work, you know, it, it kind of ballooned into what it is now. But um, once it became something like this, I knew that it was going to be extremely important for me to make sure that, that the conservation and the well-being of the resource was front and center. Like if I was going to be, um, you know, a figurehead or whatever it's become of killing turkeys, which let's don't make no bones about it. That's what Penhody Project is about. Like it's, it's there to hunt turkeys and kill turkeys. Like that's right. that was what it's rooted in. Um, we've got to make sure that it's... Um, that is overshadowed by trying to do well by the resource and make sure they're better when we when we leave where when we got there so um like you know the stuff that we started the podcast podcast off with you know the talk about um staying you know current with the situations and making sure you're a part of the conversation and helping prop conservation organizations up making sure the money's there if that's what's necessary to habitat improvement um let's get the research on the ground to figure out what we need to be doing when we need to be doing it and all that kind of stuff so um yeah that's kind of uh what i want to make sure that this thing is always rooted in i want to make sure that it's a hunting brand first and foremost and in my opinion hunting and, and conservation and that kind of whole mindset is, is hand in hand so well i can't talk about wild turkeys with dave owens without talk about hunting turkeys the right way and i want to talk about a little bit you know i grew up with awesome duck hunting mentors from a young age from 10 years old i was always able to duck hunt and i learned everything in the world i wanted to know about ducks just by asking my daddy mm-hmm. well i did not have that experience with turkey hunting just because there was not a flourishing wild turkey population where i was from and you know i, I did not have success in high school we were a bunch of dumb kids you know trying to kill turkeys and until i was a grown woman adult out of high school is when i really started learning about the wild turkey um and how important it was you know to hunt them the right way but tell me what that means to you you know hunting the turkey the right way and what what you describe that as yeah it's a slippery slope i think we all know it's a slippery slope it can be a controversial topic but i i've never wanted to uh broach it as a controversial topic i've always wanted to just pitch it out there as if um if you did it the way i do it I think you're going to like it better. That's as simple as that. Because 100%. Um, I have, I was, you know, raised and, and, and like I said, I didn't have any turkey mentors. So I've killed turkeys and hunted turkeys about every way you can possibly hunt them. Right. Um, I was, I, I remember the first full strut decoy that I made. It was before B-Mobile was a thing or, uh, yeah, B-Mobile ain't that the primos thing. Um I killed a turkey down to South Florida because I started traveling to South Florida. So I was hunting, you know, a couple weeks before Georgia season would come in. I'd go down there. I'd kill me a Florida turkey. I'd come up and I'd flesh him out. I'd put borax all over him and I'd take an archery target. And I remember taking an archery target and carving it up and then taking tent stakes and taking that cape and putting it on that archery target, making a full strut turkey. Right. And then I had a buddy that had a lot of, you know, his family had a lot of farm ground around and man we would go in there with that full strut turkey and prop up these blinds and stick that thing out front of us and watch these turkeys run two or three hundred yards and flog that thing and it didn't take me long to go eh, it's not the same. something's not right, right. um and i my in my opinion i think if somebody that's what they're used to um and then they go and sit down by a tree and they yelp that turkey up and they get that experience i think 10 out of 10 times they're going to pick that yelp and sit down by the tree experience so 
what I wanted to do with the Penhody Project is making sure that was available for folks to know that was there. Right. Um, it, you, you can't blame somebody for missing out on something if they didn't know it existed. So I wanted to make sure that there was some kind of content out there that they could find that was like, ooh, look how this guy's doing it. Let me try it this way. Um, because like I said, I did it. I've, I've, I've shot turkeys with muzzle-loading rifles. Like I've done all kind of crazy stuff. <laughs> so I just know the, all the ways that I've turkey hunted, what is the most pure, the most fulfilling. And it's like we just mentioned, like, it's it's such a it's such a, a treat to put your hands on an adult turkey. Um, I want to make sure that I'm I get as much out of that out of killing that turkey as possible. I want it to be as, as fulfilling of a process as possible. So um, the way I do that is to make sure that I feel like I made all the right decisions. I didn't take any shortcuts and a lot of the stuff. Now, granted, I'm not a guy. I'm not hunting with a flintlock. I've got Onyx on my phone, so I mean I'm not some type of traditional traditionalist in that sense. But um, when it comes to some of the crutches, primarily decoys and that kind of thing, and um, I'm just—I like to be responsible for my own ground. I like finding my own ground. I like, uh, um, you know, not 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 taking any shortcuts. I like being there because I decided that's where I wanted to be, not because somebody says, "Hey, I left a turkey goblin over here." I kind of feel like that's a cheap process. Um, right. I like, you know. Just kind of, I guess, that, that old, before it was even available, before a lot of the technology was available, call, calling the biologist, um, you know, looking at some topo maps and the terrain and just that old, that whole fulfilling um, process of the very granular approach. You start with a big picture, you start bringing it down, you start bringing it down until you actually kill that turkey, and then you get to sit back and remember the whole process that put you there. So, um to me, all of that is encompassed in that whole hunting a turkey the right way. Absolutely. Um, it's not just a decoy conversation. It's not just a reaping conversation. It's a, it's a, it's the whole process. It's um, there's a lot of crutches and a lot of shortcuts available to all of us nowadays. And I'm as guilty as the next guy. So I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not wanting to be condescending when I talk about hunting a turkey the right way. I'm just wanting to say, you know, when I started this thing, I wanted to make sure that folks knew how I hunted them and say, hey, try it this way. I bet you're going to like it. It's just kind of that approach. Uh, I, I love the way you approach that, you know, just a very educational manner because that's it, all it is. It's just, hey, this is what I do. This is how I like it. And I think it's the best. And, and I agree with you. I, I do think it's the best. And when I think of fulfilling turkey hunts, the most fulfilling turkey hunt I've been on, I did not kill a turkey. It was me and the girl whose husband put me on my first ever bird. I was 18. I was senior in high school. So, um, her husband put me on my first turkey and we took off last year. We went out west and we'd been looking at, you know, topo maps and trying to figure it out. And, and, um, just by looking at the map, I kind of figured out where we needed to be. And she had a, a decoy in her vest. And I said, let me see if I can strike one up. And I did. And she says, let me put out this decoy. I said, nope, keep it in your vest. Keep it in your vest. We're going to try. So come on, like, we, we're, we're going to do this differently. And she was like, are you sure? I said, we don't have, we don't have time. We're not going to do it. We, I want to do it this way. And yeah. she said, okay. And we sat down. I yelped up this turkey like four yards, came running at her. And she shot that turkey. And she said that was the most fun turkey hunt she'd ever been on. Because yeah. we don't just sit on a tree. Yep. And I, that was the most fun turkey hunt I'd ever been on just because I was like, proud of us and the work we put in and i was like you know we we made that conscious choice you know to, to do it yeah um that way and it was it was a lot of fun it was and i love that you put out that message out there um that's something i believe in and so thank I you think, for that i mean i think people can have a conversation around that kind of stuff without it being volatile it seems like every time this conversation gets you know approached or people want to start slinging mud at somebody and i'm just like look do it do it your way uh, if it's legal i can't you know i can't right um 
you know, look at you wrong, but the thing is, is I just wanted to make sure it was available because for a certain amount of time there, I felt like if I went to YouTube or any type of streaming platform and I, you know, looked to search turkey hunting, I only saw one thing. I only saw it doing it in one way and it was one dimensional and it was always this, it was like the same song and dance. And I was like, man, that that is so far away from what, it's almost like a completely different thing than what I'm doing. So Absolutely. Um, I know you know the reason that the reason that it's not done on or wasn't done on on camera much the way we do it is because it doesn't make pretty footage and then you know it's, right. it, it doesn't make pretty footage it doesn't it's a lot harder it's, too. it's, it's more difficult to to kind of tell the story um so by all means i understand why it wasn't being done that's why when we started doing it it was like hey this ain't you this ain't your fix for turkey content if you're looking for pretty footage like that ain't what we're gonna be doing here i like watching the hair stand up on the back of a turkey's neck as much as the next guy but you ain't gonna see that with the penhody project very often if if if, if it you know if ever right. um so um do you know we just kind of have to tell the story as we do it is a lot of you know a lot of staring at the camera and telling them what we're doing and kind of trying to show them but you know, that's that's the way we paint our picture because we don't get a lot of kill shots and you know fancy turkey footage. But you know, it it's it's worked out so far. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's awesome. And we I mentioned this before we started the podcast, and I wish I would have waited, um, but I'm gonna bring it up still. So, tell me, are you familiar with the mossy head turkey? Mm-hmm. Okay, have you ever killed one? I don't know. I think it, <laughs> the whole situation with the mossy head turkey. I've killed some some unique turkeys. Um, small turkeys small stature turkeys short-legged turkeys um so i don't i don't know i don't know if i've ever killed one that met all the characteristics but i've hunted the mountains quite a bit and i've hunted um killed some small turkeys in those mountains that acted awful weird but the thing about mossy head turkeys is you talk to a couple different old timers and they're going to have different characteristics some of them say they do this some of them say they don't gobble much some of them say they scream like they gobble too much almost and so um i don't know maybe <laughs> right well they're they're sent i mean they're ghosts essentially can you explain to our listeners that don't know just what a mossy head turkey is i think it's just a just that's supposed to be that old turkey that was there um that was never killed out like just an old typically a smaller statured turkey um like i said some of them say they don't gobble much some folks say they gobble like crazy and they scream like you know it sounds like a wild woman out there they say so um i've heard every little bit of um uh, characteristics given to them but um, from my understanding or from what I consider a mossy head turkey, it's just a turkey that lives in the deep woods, stays away from a lot of the ag, stays away from, you know, human interference and, uh, kind of lives out there in the deep woods and, and keeps to himself and typically has, uh, got a lot of that original wild turkey strain. A lot of the, the strain, um, they call them, they say they're in the North Georgia mountains, North Alabama mountains, I think even, and, um, supposedly didn't, didn't get that, um, that little strain of birds that was kind of came and dropped off when when uh, turkeys were quote unquote gone. Right. Um, they were they were part of that strain that was never you know technically gone. They say. So um, last year, I, I believe that I killed a mossy turkey, but I you know it's like who who is to say? But yep. it, it had a lot of the characteristics, and um, I was on public land in Alabama mm-hmm. um, in the mountains and. It was a rainy day, and I was always told by one of my mentors, sleep in on a rainy day. And so, okay, we slept in, and we went out about 11 Mm o'clock. And um, we went out to – we just got on the topo map and on our onyxes and um, just tried to figure out where we thought a turkey would be. And uh, sure enough, struck up a bird, and 
it was a very softly goblin turkey. It, it was goblin, but it was almost whispering. But it drummed. It, it was drumming so loud that it was unlike anything I'd ever heard in my life. And you know, we just we sat down and just got ready. And I'm telling you, this turkey popped its head up, and it had a real long beard, and it had a full fan. And you know, came, I watched it come over this ridge, and I was just so confused. I mean, it looked like a rooster chicken. It was so small. And <laughs> we picked up this turkey, and I'm telling you, it couldn't have weighed 13 pounds. Yeah. It was so small. And uh, I didn't know what it was. I was just like, look how small this turkey is. And I was so excited. I mean, we sat down next to it and just enjoyed it and talked about it. And, you know, he, uh, my really good friend was there with me, and he was like, we got to we gotta look this up. This is, I, I, I think this is something special. Yeah. And he's like, I, I heard a Gamekeeper's podcast about this. And then sure, we listened to it on the way out. Yeah. And sure enough, it, it, it lined up. But it was just, it was really, really cool. But every time I bring it up to people, no one knows what a Mossy Turkey is. I think is. there's so many different interpretations of what it's supposed to be or what, you know, maybe everybody else, everybody has their um, their own little, you know, little, little characteristics they like to give them. Um, because like you said, the soft gobbling, I've heard some folks say that, they gobble too much. They almost gobble. They just scream. They have like a high pitched scream, like a shrill scream. Wow. Um, so, uh, you know, Herb McClure, as he, he wrote the, uh, it talks a lot about the mossy head turkey in his book. Uh, I think it's called Native Turkeys, and he's talking about North Georgia mountains, and he's talking about the turkeys back there that are smaller and smaller in stature, darker in color, and uh, were never killed out. We're always there, even when the turkeys were supposedly not there. Right. So that's what he refers to as a, as a mossy head turkey. Um, but. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 cool when you get to put your hands on any of them. But it's really cool when you get to you get to put your hands on one way back in the mountains, and and he's got those characteristics where you just you think might, what might be, you know, that we can what if we can what if ourselves to death, I guess. But it's pretty cool to to be able to put yourself in that situation. Absolutely, absolutely, one hundred percent. You spend a lot of time on the road. Mm-hmm. Tell me about your setup, camping in your truck, your experiences, um, just living out of your truck for the entire turkey season. Yeah, it's a, it's an acquired taste, I guess is what I'll call it. Um, it's kind of that getting comfortable being uncomfortable thing. you got to live in tight quarters, live off nothing, uh, live out of a cooler. That's kind of the way. You know, I used to do it out of necessity. Now I do it out of desire because that's just the way I like to do it. It just got to become comfortable. And now there's going to be a certain amount of every season to where I'm going to be by myself. And I'm going to be living out of my truck. That's just what I like to do. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as a commitment and stuff of the Pinhoti project have kind of uh, I've always wanted to make sure that that it didn't stray far from what it started as which was me out of the back of a truck or me and a buddy uh living off you know just uh living poor I guess you could say right. and um is uh, I've built my truck out um it's kind of the popular thing to do now I guess but uh I'll um yeah, just live out of the back of it and live out of a cooler and have sliding trays and try to the uh, added uh challenge of trying to keep camera batteries charged which i'm sure you can relate with Mm -hmm. and uh keep cameras alive and and, you know we hunt in the rain and we hunt in the dew and frost and crossing reeks and creeks and rivers and trying to keep electronics functioning is always a, a challenge um but we were talking about it, you know, when you first came in, like, the, you know, putting reflectics on the inside, trying to cut down on the condensation if you live out of the back of a truck and how you get your clothes dry if you have to encounter a rain day and going and finding laundromats. And so there's always mm-hmm. a uh, there's a learning curve to doing this on the road thing. But um, it's, uh, it's it's one of those things that's not for everybody. You no. know, like my buddy Chubbs, he hates that stuff. Like He hates it. Like he's going to go get a room. Like he likes 
he likes that and that's cool right um i like getting a room sometimes but it's just the to me um the flexibility of being able to be here this day and be somewhere completely different the next day um not having to go back to a room not having to go back to a cabin um that's uh that's more beneficial to me than having a warm bed to sleep in so right um as far as any kind of um accommodations other than just you know having some type of sleeping like for the many years i just had one of those foldable cots in the back of my truck and i had just rubber totes up under the cot or rubber made totes up under the cot with my food in it now i've done a little you know done a little bit more been a little more sophisticated with the situation and built out the place to where i've got a uh, a mattress back there or mattress you know uh so that uh, i can take up a little less room with that cot and i've got a little um a little countertop i guess built on the other side that pops up and down so that i can work out of the back of the truck so i can plug in i've got a one of the jackery power bank stations there that um that kind of can keep my laptop running and keep my cameras charged so that i can edit on the road and um get this content stuff out there for the folks and so i've uh, had to tailor the uh, living out of the back of the truck for the content creation portion of the show but <laughs> other than that a lot of it's still still the same Last year was my first year sleeping on the back of a truck turkey hunting, and it made me really appreciate love truck stops, the showers <laughs> for sure, um, for sure. But yep. it it, it's, it was been a lot of fun, and I've got to get I've got to get more sophisticated for sure um, with my setup. I realized that I need a a little electric fan because yep. in you've Kansas got to have a fan. I was sweating so bad yep. in Kansas last year. It was yep. the most miserable experience it, of my it's life. It's hard to sleep hot, and buddy, when you're when it's hot, like we we do the Florida thing, which you can't. It's it's almost impossible to sleep in the back of the truck down there. It's so hot, you know. Um, so we do a lot of hammock camping down there just to catch any breeze you can, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, you'll learn like the fans and the little buddy heaters. So when it's cold. Um, because that gets as that's just as miserable like because i deer hunt out of the back of my truck quite a bit too and it was year before last when it got down to like single digits up there i think what i was at i think it was in kentucky and i was waking up in the back of that truck and like the condensation on the inside of the frames of the windows was iced over so i was in the back of that truck and the condensation had set in and then it had froze overnight so i was waking up and it was just ice then i'd pop my pop my little heater on to get it you know warm it up before i get out of the, my sleeping bag that ice was dripping on me and i was like oh my god this is miserable, miserable. There, there is, this is really hard to see the fun side of this so. right. <laughs> well I, I really want to talk about drumming for a second because i didn't realize how many people had ever experienced it so my cousin is actually he the first bird i ever yelped up was for him um and he he was not a big turkey hunter because we're from the same area and there's just lack of turkeys but it was last spring he sent me a text and he said, I killed a turkey on my own today. I'm, I thought you'd be proud of me. And he said, I, he, he wasn't gobbling. I've never heard one like that noise before. He was making a funny noise. And I was like, man, you heard one drumming. Drum yeah. <laughs> so let's talk about that. Your first experience here in one drum. Oh, man, I don't even know if I could put my finger on the first experience, but I know I've heard it a bunch and I've killed quite a few turkeys because of the ability to hear drumming and just know what you were listening to um as many people that quote unquote can't hear drumming i think they just haven't haven't heard it yet and it's, sometimes it's not the it's not the drumming itself that you're listening to it's the rhythm right. um, because a lot of times i'll hear something like was that drumming it has to happen like you know a couple times in a row and you're like okay if a turkey's strutting with hens he's going to drum he's going to spin he's going to drum again so it's almost like the rhythm that you're listening for as much as it is the sound now i'm sure there's some people that just flat out can't hear it because of the frequencies or whatever that some folks can't hear but um 
I just had I was on a podcast uh, yesterday, and they was asking about drumming. Like, what is the best? What? How can you tell somebody to listen for drumming? I was like, man, you got to go find a tame turkey. Right. I was like, go find a tame turkey, stand by him. But the most important thing is stand about seventy five or hundred yards away from him and listen to that sound over and over and get used to that rhythm because I think that's just as important as the sound itself is knowing like the frequency that they typically would do that. And that's that's what has kind of set me off is, is more than, you know, the drumming sound itself. Right. So um, have you ever killed a bird that quit gobbling, but you could hear him drum? And how did that hunt look and what made it successful? A number of times. We've killed turkeys that we never heard gobble. Like We've just been working turkeys and heard drumming. Um, you just shared one, uh, the, the hunt that dropped last week with uh, – uh Blake and Sean down in South Alabama we killed a turkey early that morning walked into another spot hit a call and heard drumming like wait was that what I think it was okay I'm pretty sure that's what I think it was third time you're like that's absolutely what I think it is turkey never gobbled we got to the ground yelped the turkey up and he just drummed the whole way in so the ability to hear that killed that turkey all in its own right um we've been up I can't tell you how many times that we've climbed into likely roosting areas and as it starts breaking daylight you're sitting against a tree and you just hear and you're like oh crap like i'm real close right. so then you just you know and then you're you know moving at a snail's pace trying to get your gun up and trying to figure out where it's coming from um let's see i mean there is a ton of stories about where first turkey i ever killed in alabama ever um, I, I remember it because the turkey never gobbled. And I'm like, man, I'm in Alabama. These turkeys are supposed to be gobbling over here. And I was hunting a piece of timber ground um, that uh, a, a friend of a friend had a deer lease. Mm-hmm. Just through casual conversation, hey, anybody turkey hunting? No, how about you let me give you a few hundred bucks, go over and have all the turkey rights. So he did. And he's like, man, it's beautiful pine timbers. It's kind of that, that uh, timber ground. it got these little green food plots. I'm like, shoot, well, we finna go over and stack up some turkeys. You know what I mean? So <laughs> he's like, man, well, they're all in the food plots during deer season. So we go over there. We don't hear no flipping turkeys. You go over there and you look in the food plots and it's just turkey droppings everywhere, tracks, struts on. I'm like, gosh, dang, these turkeys here. But uh, they claimed there was a bunch of coyotes or something, and I'm like, I don't know if I buy that. I just it was just a bad day. So mm-hmm. I'd stay up there for two or three days at a time, and I might hear one turkey gobble a handful of times. I'm like, why are these turkeys not gobbling? Anyways, it was the first week of the season, and I went down in there, and same situation. I was slipping up those food, those little green fields, and uh, I'd yelp and, and nothing. So I was backing out, hitting the little road system, going to the next little green field. So came up on one of the little green fields and, did, uh, and yelped. And when I did, I was like, man, I think I was a turkey gobble. And um, I mean, I think it was a turkey drumming, and I, I waited a second. Here again, it was that it was the rhythm that it did it, and how frequent it was. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, I think that was a turkey gobble. I mean, a turkey drum. Here again, mm-hmm. that's got to be a turkey drum, and that's got to be what I'm listening to. Then you start trying to talk yourself out of it, like you're an idiot. There ain't no way it's a turkey mm-hmm. drum. And then you hear it. Sure enough, I yelped that turkey up all the way to that food plot. He never gobbled, not one time. You know, three-quarter inch spurs, seemingly a two-year-old, really, nobody knows, but never gobbled one time, and I killed, that was the first turkey I ever killed in Alabama, the state of Alabama, and I granted, that was a long time ago, but I remember that vividly, because the turkey never gobbled. So, why do you, why do you think um, those birds weren't gobbling? Do you think it was on pressure, uh, just predators, what, what can you count to that? Yeah, I don't really have an answer, like, I definitely don't have the perfect answer, but I, we can all, <laughs> we can all kind of 
toss our opinions out there i guess and i think it does have a, something to do probably with predators there's a lot of coyotes especially in that pine timber like that when it's a lot easier for those coyotes to get close mm-hmm. um but more than anything i think it was probably the time of the year time of the spring um it just wasn't a goblin time it was still early in the season we were there i think that was back when uh it's back when the season still opened on march 15th so a lot of those turkeys didn't do a lot of goblin you know there were a lot of hand up turkeys and granted that one wasn't i don't think he was there by himself but um you just didn't hear a lot of goblins you know early in the season there may be a gobble or two and if you ain't in the right spot once they hit the ground they're pretty much clammed up so i don't know if that had something to do with it but um yeah i think some turkeys just don't gobble as much too i think some turkeys just live their whole lives gobbling less than other turkeys so um i don't know if that was a situation but um I can promise you one thing. They're, they're a lot less fun to hunt when they don't gobble. I, I agree. <laughs> Not impossible to hunt, but they're a lot less fun to hunt when they don't gobble. That's a, It's very important for me. I, I've been you know duck hunting for years, and now I'm a, considering getting hearing protection because there's nothing that makes me more excited than hearing a turkey gobble. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, I can't be going deaf and losing mm-hmm. my hearing because one of my favorite turkey hunting partners in the world has awful ears. He cannot mm-hmm. hear a turkey gobble. within. I mean, it's got to be close. Close enough to kill him if mm-hmm. he can hear him gobble. And I've got, I'm lately blind. I've got terrible eyes, mm-hmm. terrible eyes. But anyway, he's got good eyes and I've got great ears. I mean, I've got a compass on my ears. We like to joke. <laughs> I can tell you where it's coming from and how many ridges over. Yeah. But I just think like, man, I'd, I'd hate to, you know, lose my hearing. I'd be able to hear one. But, um. Yeah. No. I think a lot of your, your better turkey hunters, the people that, that are, that really have kind of gotten into their, their element with turkey hunting, you'll find that their, their hearing is usually pretty good, or at least used to be pretty good. You know, it used to used to be good. Um, a lot of uh, of them have lost it with age, but most folks have. Because uh, I'm I'm blind as a bat too. If I didn't have my contacts in, so I mean I'm blind. But yeah, I've usually had I've taken care of my hearing. Um, you know, um, I don't know what it would be if I would have taken care of it when I was younger, when I was doing the duck hunting thing and shooting cases of three and a half inch BBs all doggone fall. But um, luckily for me, I've my, I guess my, my hearing's been pretty resilient to, to um, battle on you know battle all those uh, bad habits away and still be pretty pretty good. Right. So how has the Penhody Project changed your experiences as a public hunter? I mean, have you experienced more challenges with hunters? You know with negativity surrounding you know toting cameras around the mm-hmm. woods just hunter interactions has that been you know improved or or i guess had a negative effect on your public land experiences um nothing has changed as far as i mean i, I still hunt as much i hunt the same places a lot of you know in a lot of areas um i think the biggest thing people have to do is be able to adapt um be able to um kind of roll with the punches i think that's that's very important when you hunt anything but definitely turkeys definitely something like uh that you're going to be on your feet a lot and you're going to have to kind of um you know tailor your strategies to whatever's going to work for that day and whatever and a lot of times those days may be encountering pressure um anybody that doesn't um you know consider pressure when they're going into a new area or a new state or, or whatever they're doing uh, they're missing part of the game that's part of the game is trying to figure out how to beat the pressure as much as it is how to beat the turkey that's all part of the game um as far as uh me personally i, I mean i don't see in my travels now granted I'm, I'm a unique situation considering i don't you know stay in one place typically very long uh, a handful of days at the most so the elusive day yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't stay i don't stay in one place very long but no i don't have any more pressure with uh with other hunters i mean uh, we hunted you know nebraska the last three springs i think is a super popular destination that gets a lot of spotlight put on it and i've 
went in there without any now granted not to say i don't i mean i have encounters with with hunters and some negative encounters every year that's all part of hunting public land but that that was happening 20 years ago like that that has been happening you know a long time ago that doesn't have anything to do with the more current times and i know that there's supposedly a lot more turkeys turkey hunters now and technically there are they're selling a lot more licenses, which i still feel like is a good thing um but um is there a conversation that needs to be surrounding something like quality recruitment versus just blind recruitment maybe i mean i'm not one to be ignorant to the issue and i don't want the public opportunity to wane you know so um is that a conversation that we need to have do we need to figure out how to quality recruit do we need to figure out how to recruit new hunters that are also going to take part in conservation organizations rather than just taking from the resource right if somebody can you know if we want to do a round table and kind of figure out how to do that i'm, I'm up for a discussion absolutely um, but uh but as far as you know my time of field i'm not seeing anything different than i did 20 years ago 10 years ago i mean i'm still encountering some folks and some places i don't there's some places that have more people there's some places places that have less people just like you know the turkey the turkey conversation there's some places that have fewer turkeys than they did 10 years ago or 20 years ago i can take you to some that have more than they've ever had so i mean there's that 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 you know that you know the whole conversation about being able to adapt and being able to kind of uh uh, roll with the punches i think has got a lot to do with being successful and that's avoiding pressure and also finding turkeys i mean i think it's one and the same what is the craziest experience you've had on public land with another hunter negative experience i should say negative experience oh man we had to pull a gun on a guy one time um what yeah in florida that was some years ago me and my buddy and then here again that was god trying to think of what year that was that was a long time ago like probably Shoot, I'm trying to think of what year that would have been, 2000, maybe around 2007, 2008, 2009, sometime around that, that time frame. But, yeah, I had a guy got a little bit odd under the collar. I don't know if he had an anger issue, but whatever. But, yeah, he started it, – it got inappropriate, just put it that way. And so we had to uh, do what it took to get out of the situation safely, which we did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, there's this, there's been some discussions, and we have to, you know, everybody has to keep a level head and realize that you've got loaded guns and don't let the, the situation get the better of you because don't make a decision that you ain't, you know, you're going to have to live with the rest of your life. So um, we just got to keep, <laughs> you got to remember your turkey hunt. You know right. what I mean? I mean, it's just a turkey uh, at the end of the day, as funny as that is for me to say. But um, just keeping a level head, you know, I've, I've always tried to showcase that because a lot of these, uh, the content that's put out there, uh, similar to what I do, everybody tries to paint things as unicorns and rainbows, and it's not. I mean, it's definitely in, not. And public hunting is, is public hunting. I mean, it's a resource that's available to everybody, um, and that's a good thing. And I think it's, uh, I, I frankly think there's plenty of it to go around as ever if everybody treats everybody else respectfully that's exactly right if everyone would act right there'd be plenty of land to go yep, around exactly if everybody practiced the golden rule i think that there's going to be plenty of the, the resource to go around it's when greed gets injected into the conversation or into the people's actions that we we, we getting you know getting hot water here but um as long as everybody practices the golden rule um, and I try my best to do that. I mean, I've backed out. I back out on tons of turkeys a year. I mean, I, I play it safe. And I'm, you know, I get criticized for, oh, you must have went in on this guy. You knew that guy's truck was there. And like, look, I, I always try to act accord, like like I would want to be treated. I just, I'm right. like, okay, what would if the shoe was on the other foot? How would I want this guy to 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 deal with this? What would I expect from him? And I just always try to act accordingly. So I think if everybody slowed down a little bit and remember, there's always tomorrow. Um, you know, everybody could come out ahead in the, in the end of things. 
craziest experience I've had on public land was not with another hunter. It was, I, I was in Mississippi, deep in public land. I mean, I had walked probably 11 miles that day. I, I mean, I, I knew I was not going to see another soul around. And um, I was on an old logging road in the middle of nowhere. And I had a woman walk up on me barefoot, not mm-hmm. not wearing enough clothes. Mm-hmm. Just I, I, she looked homeless, mm-hmm. but she was talking to herself and looking around, and I just dipped back off in the woods. And I, I mean, that was that was scary. I yeah. mean, you know, that made me realize I was happy she was a woman, yeah. even though women are obviously just as dangerous. But I started carrying a pistol after that in the turkey yeah. woods. My so brother like, had a my brother had a guy chase him around, kind of chase him around, like sneak around, like you know, he was walking down a same type of situation, way in the middle of nowhere, walking down a logging road, and. uh saw you know stopped to call and just kind of sent somebody's watching looked around there's a guy watching looking at him around a tree he's like hey buddy you know what you got going on here and <laughs> so he keeps on walking down the road and sees that the guy's kind of following him and jumping behind a tree and so he just turned around and says look buddy i don't know what you got in your mind but just know i got a loaded gun right here and i will use it like i don't know what you got going on that's scary so he ended up just walking out we'll come to find out that guy had pot plants uh he had pot plants uh scattered throughout the public ground there and all the cutovers and he was kind of you know chaperoning his pot plants and so wow. that's what that's what that all ended up being so wow that's crazy that, that would scare me to death yeah. I, I would not be well um i hunted a lot on public land by myself last year and i my head's on a swivel just cause mm-hmm. i'm a girl alone in the woods yep. and i i cannot imagine having someone follow me around i would be that would scare me to death boy <laughs> my mother's always the one just me sleeping in the back of the truck all over the country like Son, be careful. Be careful. There's crazy people out there. I was like, Mom, you're talking to the person who's sleeping in the back of his truck. Like, right. I am the crazy person. So, <laughs> that, my mom, I, I took off last year. My mom's like, Do not sleep in the back of your truck. I know you have that air mattress. I know you got so that. Go get a hotel. She's yeah. like, I, If you don't have money for a hotel room, I, I mean, I'll, I'll buy you one. Yeah. And I was like, Girl, you can't afford to do that all turkey season. And, she's and the like, thing is, the, the closer you get to hotels, that's the, the larger the congregation of folks are. And typically, that's the people what you got to be worried about. It ain't the animals. Oh. Like, you know, you ain't got to be scared of that. It's the crazy people that you need to avoid. So, sleeping out in the woods is typically the, the safest place to be. Absolutely. <laughs> and, uh, my, my parents, they said, You've been at this spot since last night. We, you know, we, we know you're sleeping. And I was like, I'm in Nebraska or yeah. I'm in Kansas. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it's a lot of people think that's crazy, but it, it is the folks you have got to look out yeah, for. Yeah, for sure. Like, and I've been, I've got some, I'm trying to think. I mean, I've, I've had the weirdest feeling is laying down in the back of your truck, being asleep and somebody knocking on like knowing there's somebody that close to you and you're not like, yeah, that's a, that's an eerie feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, as a matter of fact, we had that happen one time before in, um, in Florida, it was it was a Florida situation. Me and a buddy were sleeping. At this point in time, I didn't sleep in a cap in the back. We just slept in the in the front seat of the truck. So we just had our seats back. And we were both in sleeping bags in the front seat. And I had a truck that had really really black tinted windows. So I mean, when it was dark outside, you couldn't see. Like somebody could be you know beside the truck and you couldn't see them. And so we were sitting there with a you know lean back, you know asleep. And somebody just bam 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 on the on the truck window. And I look at him. He looks at me and he goes, "What now?" And I'm like. You have your gun. I'll have my gun. And I'm gonna crack his window and see what's going on. You right. know? And it was somebody. It was just. It was harmless. But it's just that the the matter not knowing who it is, their intentions, and them being that close to you and within arm's reach. It's a little bit. A little bit of eerie feeling. Yeah. That is. That is so eerie. So eerie. And 
in Florida, we ran into more people than we ran into anywhere in the country. Mm-hmm. And that's just common because we mm-hmm. were obviously hunting Osceola's and mm-hmm. there's just not very many and there's not very much room to hunt them. Yep. But we, we ran into some folks that were, you know, fl- flashlighting trucks mm-hmm. and that's just, that's not cool. That's yeah. not cool at all. Yeah, yeah. But before we get off here, I do want to talk about, you know, your history competition calling. Tell mm-hmm. me about your background. Uh, competition calling, I, I kind of got, I was late to the game. Um, most of the, a lot of the folks that are, that are successful in it, they came up through the juniors, intermediate divisions, you know, the young. Uh, I just kind of jumped in to the senior division. Uh, I can't remember how old I was. It had to be 2000. I see I won it in 18. Uh, so it had to be 2012, maybe. So I think I'd been, I think I'd been calling for six years when I won the Grand National. So I was going to say 11, 12 was when the first year I started, and I just jumped in with both feet, which is the way I would suggest anybody do it. Um, it's not as intimidating as you think it is. Um, you're going to be nervous, but I don't care if you do it one time or ten thousand times. You're going to be nervous. Right. Like I, you just learn to call with the nerves. That's just how it works. Um, but uh started in whatever year that was and uh got up there and got my butt whipped and went you know cowering and run back home but i had uh carrie terrell had won georgia state it was the georgia state competition that i uh that was the one that I entered first and he won it he, he won it that year and uh if you're not familiar kt that's the kt team carrie terrell is is that's the namesake for the kt team and um, he came up there and, and he's like, man, you know, he gave me, basically gave me a really good compliment on my sound and told me to stay with it. And so I did, you know, I was like, man, if the guy that, you know, I didn't know KT, I was like, man, if for the guy that won this thing to give me a compliment, there must be something there, you know? Yeah. So I stayed at it and got qualified that, that same year and went to Nashville and made the cut and, uh, just kind of all fell into place from there. But it's just the smallest amount of, uh, of encouragement you can give to somebody that's what i remember that day uh will forever because i'm like where would i be if if he hadn't given me that encouragement if i decide like man this turkey calling thing crap on that you know right. i can't figure it out i ain't gonna devote any more time to it uh, i just wonder if i would have thrown it down if without that little bit of encouragement so when i'm around the turkey calling thing turkey hunting thing anything really um when i see somebody with a little bit of a fire in their eye i'm like hey you know, you may not have it today, but you could have it tomorrow. So just keep chopping, you know. That's awesome. That is awesome. And what advice do you have for the younger generation? Folks like you and me that did not have mentors, mm-hmm. um, if they want to get into turkey hunting but don't know how. Uh, man, the resources are out there now with, with the age of social media and the Internet. Like YouTube is going to be your best friend. Uh, find a find somebody that you can relate to on YouTube. Um and uh granted you know with the craze of social media and and youtube you kind of find a good role model i guess i should say kind of really flesh out who you're paying attention to um just because they're flashy that may not be the best role model um look for somebody who does it for the right reasons and uh look for sound advice just look for something that makes sense i mean everybody's usually got some degree of common sense and you can kind of fill out who's doing it for the right reasons and who's doing it for uh, you know, I guess the wrong reasons you should say, but, um, you know, with the age of, of YouTube and, and all these streaming platforms and, uh, short form content and there, there's people out there willing to help. And there's a lot of folks that are willing to, to show you, you know, kind of give you the, give you the, uh, the roadmap, but, um, it's really good that you can't sell experience because you still got to buy that. Um, you got to do that. Now only, only way you can buy it is with time. Right. So go put in your time, uh, get it wrong and um that's that's how you're going to get better you know you can get somebody to show you the roadmap you can get somebody to push you off the ledge but you're still gonna have to tumble on your own so um that's the that's the best advice i can give anybody that wants to do this thing is just uh go at it 110 percent 
and to anyone who is looking for a role model in turkey hunting um dave has a flourishing youtube he's on instagram he's on he, he will be up and coming on tiktok after this <laughs> podcast he's gonna be a huge tiktoker can't wait but um he's an awesome role model so well, thank you seriously in a world of full of people that are posting content for views thank you for staying true to the wild turkey well i sure appreciate that uh he's an awesome role model and you can find him at the pinhody project on all platforms is that that's correct it. that's it thank you so much dave you i bet. really appreciate it and y'all can catch us next time on the maggie williams podcast same time next week all glory goes to the good lord see you next time you've been listening to the maggie williams podcast join us each and every time right here where you catch your favorite podcast and if you've missed an episode well it's a podcast you can go back and catch up we'll catch you next time right here